0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the... So we got bored during quarantine and we started a podcast. Podcast. It's
1: good to be back, Hamzy. Indeed. And I love that this is now episode, what, like 38? And you still need a card to read the name of our podcast. That's the whole
0: point of a podcast. They cannot see what I'm doing
1: or not doing. Okay, fine. But I would much rather tell them all. Well, it's good to be back. A um, bit of a different scenery to usual. We are still in Le Studio, but uh, there is snow outside. Snow. Like lots of it. Like a, like a huge chunk of snow. You know on. that
0: song, Winter Wonderland? I think it's meant for Christmas. Well, it's for now.
1: Okay. Yes, I suppose it is. It, it, it can work yeah. as, as both. Winter one. The, the fact is, I don't remember the rest of the song. I just remember Winter Wonderland. <laughs> I feel that's not even one sentence of it. Good that you're still as capable as ever. Um, have you play- Have you been playing in the s- snow? I can't speak today. Have you been playing in the snow? Articulate and speak slowly. You
0: know, as a kid, my mom would always be like, "Sarah, articulate," because I would just like eat my words, and had she had no clue what I was saying. I just be like uh-huh. do I still do it?
1: You can do since you're grumpy. You're just like, uh-huh. but that's like on purpose mumbling. Well, right well um it's effective no one understands you so
0: probably that's the goal
1: i suppose
0: I cannot explain myself in that mode no Mm. no
1: anyway um thank you for anyone joining for the first time or for the 60 tooth time uh we haven't done 62 episodes and 60 tooth is not a real (laughs) word but we create things here uh we are two artists currently out of work due to the pandemic so we just kind of like to talk about all things artsy fartsy uh in a very what's the word accessible way because we're we're not very educated. refined <laughs> educated <laughs> Sorry, both of those we're
0: enthusiastic but not
1: educated exactly that's pretty that's pretty pretty accurate so as we always look for this is the, the unedited podcast we don't we don't do editing that seems like a lot of work except we add a little bit of music here and there uh, I know you could say, oh, you're in quarantine, you're not doing anything. You could potentially put some time aside for
0: editing, um, but we decided we're not.
1: Yeah, no, we decided this was going to be an easy to make podcast of great value to everyone listening. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> anyway, to help us with conversations, what we do is we use our friend over here, the random word generator, to spark an idea for a conversation. Are we ready, Hamzy? Oh, yes. Okay. Random. Random. random random word generator and it has its own tune i forgot to mention and the word is scary scary
0: as in scary spice
1: scary spice (laughs) that was yeah that is a that's i mean it's is that an adjective
0: yeah okay something is scary the house is scary it's describing the house i don't do scary you don't do grammar either
1: (laughs) do we publish a book i don't know <laughs> none of us do um, <laughs> um yeah no i'm um uh, scary does not i do not like scary you know what's scary i think we've probably spoken about it before but that um painting by uh goya i think it's creepy oh you mean Kronos eating Yeah, chronos his... eating his kid i saw that when i was i think i come to me trying to work out how old i was i i must have been like f- no i must be more than that I must be like 15 how big is the painting because that's something really big. we always forget about when you look at the pictures
0: online or in a magazine it's like that- you don't realize how big these things can be.
1: Yeah, it's it's proper. I remember it being really big, really impressive, and kind of like a, a size of a door. I don't remember. I, I really don't remember. All I remember is that I was smallish. Well, I wouldn't have been at 15. I would have been the same oh, height maybe, as I am yeah. now. And I remember it, it felt very intimidating. Like because I you would have to look up. Yeah. Now I'm curious. Maybe it's not. Maybe I I I've really, got it completely wrong in my head. And
0: no, it's probably big. it's just I always find it fascinating how you forget that when you're seeing things online or in a magazine it's kind of all been you know shrunk to a size that makes it pleasant for that page or for the the website or for you to be able to see it all at once but not for not to make it um representative of what it actually is and seeing them real um even though now you cannot go to a museum <laughs> probably no not currently um but something to look forward to uh when the pandemic is is, is over um and the
1: quarantine is lifted you know i think that's kind of uh, the the i think it's one of the the most fascinating things about art is that you know you always see it most of us for all, most of our lives see it as a particular size varying between like somewhere between maybe a6 and a4 that it fits onto the page in yeah. some form or fashion and that all paintings are done like that that size, you're like they're all that size right so when you see them in real life they can be quite both overwhelming and underwhelming yeah, um, I'm trying. Mona to think, Lisa being one of the underwhelming I've not ones. seen the Mona Lisa it's... but uh, you've mentioned that it was yeah
0: I remember going into the room um, I think I didn't even know we are going into the room with the Mona Lisa, I remember staring at the, the painting that was exactly opposite it because I was like wow like it literally elicited what, that what reaction what is it? Um <laughs> that's the problem. It's one of those paintings that I think it's a Raphael painting. Um but I think I
1: get it wrong. Um I'm actually literally googling. You google it as you, as you do that. I will tell you my uh, overwhelming and underwhelming experiences. The other one was I uh, I watched a YouTuber recently. Um I've been following artists more and more on YouTube during this quarantine because um, because of the uh, there's not many ways to get your art fix as per se. Um, and he's called Slew and he decided that he was going to he does like a lot of self portraits um, and he does a lot of oil painting and he decided he wanted to try and recreate as best as possible Rembrandt's uh, famous self portrait. I don't remember which one it, which one it is. I mean, Rembrandt did a lot of self portraits as well. But uh, there's a particular one. And it is very... Like, you'd see it and you'd be like, oh, I know that one. Yeah,
0: and Rembrandt pieces are, are known for being like, really dark. And then the... The, the face the is the very faces lit up. are
1: super lit up. So they, like, pop out. And so to do this, what he did is he... Um, he got a professional photographer in and he set it as best as possible. And he got... He does look quite like... He, he dressed up as Rembrandt. And he does look quite similar. And he got his picture taken. And then he tried to recreate it as best as possible. But one of the things that I remember shocked me so much about that... Um, that uh particular pieces that it's actually really small i'd always oh. kind of associated you know, i've seen that remember I, i'm i pretty sure i've seen it in a magazine bigger than it was <laughs> you know because he painted it to the same size and everything and i remember that was kind of like it was like wow look at you know you saw it up close and big on, on your on your your screen and then you're like oh that's it's only like you know kind of the the size of a small kind of book <laughs> this is a the size it is so remember that was a little bit kind of like i guess I guess both underwhelming, but also kind of impressive because you had all this detail in such a small space. space and yeah. I can't do... I, I'm too clumsy to do, you know, really precise detail. So I, I really admire it when I can see someone who can do it. Uh, but I, I was, you know, I was kind of going, oh, it's its so its so little. <laughs> anyway, did you work out which painting yes, it was?
0: So it's called The Wedding Feast at Cana uh, or Noce di Cana in Italian. It's a painting from...
1: 1563.
0: So this is a chunk. This is early Renaissance, is it? No, it's uh, after
1: the Renaissance. After Renaissance, okay. Renaissance. Oh no, maybe not. No, no, because no, like, Renaissance. I, my, no, I think it's just after. I think the Renaissance okay. ends like the middle of the 1500s. Okay, so yeah, it's it's so close-ish.
0: Um, and it's a painting by Paolo Veronese, and you have like these huge Greek columns and the people and these luxurious colored uh, fabrics. Um. And the sky looks real, like light blue with the clouds. And then right across it, you have this little itty-bitty
1: dark Mona Lisa <laughs> with the so-called
0: mysterious smile, which I still cannot detect.
1: You know, we, uh, we spoke about this a couple of days ago, about the Mona Lisa. And about specifically about uh, this big painting opposite it. And I had a theory since then that I didn't want to talk to you about until we got to this podcast. But I was wondering, do you think that well, I don't know if it would be this podcast if, if Mona Lisa would have shown up, but do you think that they put that huge painting there because... To make a point? No, because the Mona Lisa is such an iconic piece that a lot of people come for it, and they must be... I wonder how many of them are kind of like, ah, and then they turn around and go, whoa, you know, like... <laughs> I, on the other I'm side. certain that the curators
0: d- play around with that. I mean, th- what's the fun of being a curator if you can't show people what paintings can be what they can do what the emotions they can elicit yeah and and you have this unique situation where there's this painting that's dragging so much attention everybody wants to come and take pictures illegally because you're not supposed to um and then you turn around you're like this is what i was going crazy about i'm like but look at this and it makes you want to be curious i think for about other paintings and other painters and other movements definitely what can be out
1: there Mm. It's kind of a the, the curiosity I, I don't know have you always enjoyed museums? Well the thing is I I grew up in Honduras
0: where we didn't have art museums okay uh, we barely had like an anthropological museum at some point I did see some paintings that were like like art galleries that people mm. would sell paintings and i've I've always enjoyed them I always enjoyed painting I think because my mom put me into this oil painting class when I was like I don't know maybe like five it was ridiculous um,
1: you know what you should share? <laughs> you should share that story of you revisiting one of your early masterpieces <laughs> you have to <laughs> so
0: so I guess this is my first experience with painting and art um, so I the same oil uh, painting class which was for, in the French Alliance so they do a lot of cultural stuff as well um, I'm trying to get you on board with art I guess um and I had to do the painting. I was mimicking a oil painting that already existed from I think a cut out from a magazine and it was um a like a old almost decrepit red barn. Okay. Um but it was I could still picture it in my head. <laughs> um the thing is that for the longest time this picture I had in my head was the was what I thought my painting was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what you're, what you're saying is that um, I, you I, had in your head that you had painted a masterpiece. At five. At five years old. <laughs> so, But that was the picture that you thought, it wasn't the picture you didn't remember it as the picture that you were supposed to be painting, but the picture that you had actually painted. Yes,
0: I, I was certain as I grew up in my teen years that I was a natural artist. I was like, yeah, deep down inside I know I'm really good I at it. really
1: trying not to laugh. I know where this goes. But,
0: but the thing is that um, my grandmother... As I lived in Honduras, my my maternal grandmother she lived in France, and she got the gift of this painting, uh, early on. So I didn't get set eyes on this painting until really late in my teens, after she had passed away. And my mom kind of brought some of the stuff back, and she brought back this lovely masterpiece, my first painting ever. And I laid eyes on it, and I gasped. <laughs> <laughs> why did you g- <laughs> Why did you <laughs> gasp, Pamsy? You know, just because it was oil paintings. It did not... It was very close to a Crayola painting. (laughs) The garish lime greens, the cherry reds. Like, it had nothing to do with the the depth of the painting that I remember. Did it it
1: look even remotely similar?
0: No. I mean, there was a barn. You recognize there was a barn. And the roof, I think, must have been slightly dilapidated in the painting. And I tried to do that. Uh But it just looks like I don't know how to draw a rectangle. (laughs) That's what it looks like. It's the most horrible thing ever. And I was like, I'm so sorry for my grandmother. She had this on her wall.
1: No, oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I, 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 think it's it's possibly one of the. I think that's that's a defining moment for any artist. But I think the fact that you were five and you tried to recreate it is kind of impressive.
0: <laughs> I mean that class? should
1: that should at least be. I mean I don't know what earth your mother was thinking of putting a five year old into a, a kind of an oil painting class. Well, it's called
0: ignorance is bliss. You know, I think she just wanted me to do something.
1: And good for her. And I I'm mean, really oil glad. Oil painting though,
0: because it made me fall in love with oil painting, even with all the ignorance that I actually, I didn't know how much, how little I knew, you know, like I grew up knowing very little. But then I took all the art courses I could in high school. My electives were in art and I really enjoyed it. Uh, And I always really enjoyed oil paintings. And then I would hear people go, oh, but that's so hard. It's so hard. And I was like, no, it's not. Because in my head, I thought I was
1: already a natural. I think... (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly you're just like no I'm, i like you should see that painting i have it's in france <laughs> someone has kept it on their wall in france basically the louvre it's it, close it's like when my own brain decided to be like i won't tell her that we're faking it till we're making it here <laughs> no that's great i mean no I've, I've i've no i think that's i think that's fantastic um i, I mean I, I admire oil painting because it's, it's something that demands a substantial amount of patience by comparison to like acrylic yeah and I guess also to watercolour but I guess the thing with watercolour is it's unforgiving yeah also because you're you're putting layers from
0: light to dark so you kind of want to make sure okay, that's on this oil or in watercolour? in watercolour in watercolor. so you want to make sure that you didn't accidentally put extra paint where you actually want it to be very light which yeah. tends to happen
1: because oil painting is the process of, of putting very very thin layers if I'm correct yeah again and again and again and again and again, and then it has to dry for a long time
0: yeah because oil takes really long to dry so
1: it's a a very kind of dragged out and you want to make
0: sure because you kind of watercolor what your solvent is water and oil obviously it's oil Um, but then if your painting is diluted a lot in a lot of oil then you don't want it to be your first layer because that's going to be the layer that's going to take the longest to dry right okay so if you b- accidentally make your first layers really oily and then your last layers so the ones on top less oily and the top layers first. will dry first and then as the bottom layer slowly in months and months to come because it can take like a year to dry, yeah i, fully, I remember fully, that fully painting dry. i
1: watched of, of rembrandt it, uh, rembrandt that particular one he had taken a full i don't know if it was a full year or a full two years to complete it to let it dry okay yeah i'm not surprised yet. yeah
0: so what happens if if you have that oopsie-daisy that I put too much oil on the bottom is that your top layer will start cracking because it'll start shrinking. Okay. And then the bottom is still shrinking after the top layer has dried. So it's kind of like the cracks on a desert and then you've messed your painting, but you didn't know you messed it on, like until years later.
1: Maybe you've even solved it. <laughs> Unless you, of course, this is unless of course you're an oil painting prodigy at the age of five, exactly. <laughs> in which case it's fine. Anyway, to go back to the question about museums, uh, the reason I ask was because uh, I didn't. I don't think I really realised that I liked art until much later, because people would drag me around museums um, for long periods of time, and the thing was that for, you know, I remember. Do you, know, do you know how sometimes you don't remember things like you don't remember moments but you remember feelings yeah and I remember multiple feelings in front of different paintings where I really kind of felt emotionally I guess moved in some form of fashion either that I thought it was fear for your life fear for my life <laughs> looking at Kronos um or you know that I was in awe of the painting or I thought it was beautiful and then other times when I just looked at things I thought god that's why, did Why people get like how is that? Where they excited? Is it, I don't remember which mirror because there's, there's multiple. I think there's multiple famous mirrors who've painted, but what, there was one. Jo- jo- Joan Miró. I, I don't remember. Anyway, Joan Miro. there's one particular one that we were. I was on a school trip t- to Spain. I love your school trips. I wish I would have had school trips like this. <laughs> My sister does too because she was really she was really annoyed because she all she ever went to was the one of the mountainous regions in France like middle mountains i would like have also were, been happy with that <laughs> she lived in france and she was like this is not very exciting i went to spain and germany and romania wow yeah um the lucky generation well i mean i won <laughs> a spot to romania but we won't go there uh i was one of 10 to go Ooh. so uh, i assume so because smart. of my i assume because of my charm was what i was going to say <laughs> i don't think it was me smart you charmed the the, the teachers i like, think yeah. i was charming yes anyway um so I didn't realize I was into art cuz I you know I had this association that it was that for the most part what I saw was kind of blah. yeah it was kind of blah and then there were certain parts where I was really impressed by it and it was just a case of really what it was is that I loved art I just needed to find which art I liked yeah I think it's normal not I think you can appreciate a lot of different types of art um yeah and I think I do I think I I appreciate different art forms but also within painting I appreciate different styles there are some I still cannot get. I mean, so Miro is one of them. I remember we were in this, this museum in Spain. And we walked up, I walked into this room and uh, it had one painting in it. And this painting took up the whole, the whole like long side of the room. And it was a white canvas with a red square in it. A, sw- a red square that was about the size of if you put your, your, your thumb and forefinger together. You know how you make a square from that, from both <laughs> hands? About that size. And I I remember my Spanish teacher walking up to me, I was the only one in the room. And she's like, so what do you think? I think I said something along the lines of, I think it's pants. (laughs) Uh, who didn't know later I'd be making it? I'd be trying to make a career somehow in the arts, but
0: well, not visual arts. Well,
1: so I think anyone listening out there from these two stories, I feel like you can at least take away that uh, you know art is something that maybe you just got to find what you like in art. I, I also, mean, if you are a five-year-old oil painting prodigy, you know maybe that's great, but maybe you're you know a fourteen-year-old walking around a Spanish museum thinking that all art is pants uh, because you haven't found the place yet of what you like.
0: Yeah. Also you well later on you learn that there's a lot, there's history that goes along with the painting the paintings yes. and the painters
1: and that also makes it interesting. Uh, I think it's changed how you see it as well. Yeah. Cuz really, like you like understand Frida Kahlo is one I sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, in, but ahead. Frida Kahlo is one of those people that I I never really understood as an artist until you started telling me her story and then suddenly it became a lot more powerful. Um yeah. I guess just how you saw it, you know you, you saw the art.
0: Somebody who was in constant chronic pain from an accident and somehow still produced so much work.
1: Well, you know it was in chronic pain, and I guess it was also not the traditional sense of beauty, but yeah. chose to to make herself the the muse in many ways. Yeah, you know to showcase the monobrow. You know it, it's a very powerful when you when you see it that way. It's very powerful. My MacBook is going to sleep. There we are. That's better um but yeah i guess it's a case of kind of finding what you like and what you don't like and i like the more i'm i guess the more i'm in quarantine as well the more uh, well first thing is that you know i never really associated art with being anything other than painting and drawing for a long time because that's what i learned in art class you know that was that was art when you start to realize that there's so much more to art than just, you know, just painting and drawing, you know, it goes to music, it goes to theater and cinema. And that it's cinema. still
0: evolving and that it's still creating new things. Yeah, uh, ex- exactly. That's always exciting.
1: That's extremely exciting because I think one the one of the nice things about art, actually there's a whole conversation to have about because I know Sam, who listens to this podcast, uh, recently shared uh, something I already knew about. I've forgotten the name of it, but it's basically, they, it, they've named it after Picasso. Um, but it's an AI piece of uh, that creates art. Mm. So it's an AI program that creates art. And I remember I've read about it by several artists kind of reviewing it. And we've spoken, of course, about the Can a Computer Write a Musical? Yeah. Um, and it'll be really curious to see where it goes. But one of the things that I find really exciting about art is, is the exact opposite of that, which is that it's such a human thing and it's always evolving because of humans and because of the restrictions on our society or way things are done and how we we tackle it how we express it and that always means that there will always be hopefully something to look forward to because that was my i guess that, that would be a big fear but for a different episode of like you know what would happen if computers took over all art and actually would it my even...
0: relief is that i think we're so far away from that i hope i mean i think there will st- we might have ai assisted art but I, yes
1: taking over uh,
0: yeah, I don't know.
1: And even if it did, would it ever? Would it ever out humanity? Because I feel that you'd still have artists pushing against it. You know, art is about well, all the big movements in art changed because of someone going, someone rebelling, right? Yeah. Go, you know, going against the form that was currently taken or that was currently um, in fashion, and breaking that. Whether it's um, i think. I'm trying to sound smart here. But you know whether it's the um, oh yeah that's so
0: anthropocentric the of Renaissance, which is like humans are beautiful and sensuous and exactly, or even
1: the the no, I can never say this word in English the Byzantine Byzantine yeah. e- paintings, which went against you know directly after the 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 work of the ancient Greeks and Romans, who were very kind of I guess sexualized in many ways. Yeah. Uh, about the border, and, sculptures. Exactly, and then Byzantine came in and was like, "No, everyone's going to be covered. It's going to be like God. Let's leave it alone." Um, <laughs> but you know, all these things come from from being broken. I mean, I know like Neoclassicism came from this Rococo. Like, it was the Rococo movement was there, which was very kind of soft and sensual and light hearted, and Neoclassicism was like, "No, no, 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 no. We must, we must make things back properly." You know, everything will be as as almost as methodically correct as possible. We can't have any more of this blurry stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just kind of, I guess it's kind of interesting to, uh, to see that evolve. And I think if AI was to come in and do something, that I think there would be artists who would be like, yeah, I'm going to work with it, but there would also be at some point artists who would break that.
0: But isn't, I think what motivates artists a lot, well, there's also the mastery of the art form, mm-hmm. but there's also the message that kind of, either is, is very clear on top of it or is the undertone or is what drives the artist. Yeah. And a machine won't have that. A machine won't necessarily have commentary on society, won't have frustrations, won't have ambitions, won't have desires, uh, dreams, which yeah. is what we tend to put
1: into our art. And which I think is, is where the computer failed with the musical is that was the bit it couldn't do. Was the mm. human connection part, that kind of, uh, you know, all those kind of, I guess, emotions, which it, it, it can't learn, as per se. No. Well, it's been quite an interesting chat. It was a fun <laughs> one. Um, we better wrap it up here because we're pretty much at 25 minutes. Not that we have a particular time that we <laughs> that they, they, these, these podcasts last. But um, thank you very much for listening. If this was your first time, I hope you enjoyed it. If this was your 60-tooth time, I hope you enjoyed it too. (laughs) Um, If you'd like to follow us, you may do so. Where can they follow us? They can follow
0: us on Facebook at Boredom in Quarantine or Instagram as well, Boredom in Quarantine Podcast. Although I do admit I need to get on top of that Instagram.
1: Yes, Sarah has started to post things on Facebook, but Instagram is still rather dry. Or just dead in the water. That's a more appropriate term, but I was being nice.
0: And then there's our email uh, in case you want to have a more intimate conversation with us. I don't know why I said <laughs> that. That would that put one. anyone I off, hope, wouldn't it? I hope that sounds sexy and enticing over your earphones. <clears throat> Anyways, email at boredom and quarantine podcast at gmail.com or uh, listen to us on any of the different podcast thingies, you know, like Anchor FM or Spotify which apparently owns Anchor FM anyway. So You'd be
1: a terrible newsreader, wouldn't you? <sighs>
0: well, no, because they force you to read stuff, right? Well, you have a card there that you are reading <laughs> with your own commentary. She is so picky. Don't you agree? Please <laughs> leave us a comment about that. <clears throat> All right. Anyways, you can find us any, any of the, you know, podcasty
1: places. And uh, yeah. So thank you very much for listening. It's been fun. We have been the... Uh... So we got bored during quarantine and we started a podcast. Podcast. Until soon. Bye-bye.